Hello, everyone. This is the HR Learning Podcast. My name is Brad Boyce, and I'm joined with my co-host, Fahad Kalaf. Fahad? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Nice seeing you guys once again. Yeah, it's good to be back. And uh, as we've made a tradition in version 2.0, we're fortunate to have to our next uh, host for a learning session join us for the podcast today. He'll be speaking and doing his presentation this coming Tuesday. So we wanted to do a little pre-show, I don't know what you call it, a brief uh, informal discussion. Um get chit chat, get to know the topic and, and get to know the speakers. So with that, maybe John, if you don't mind just introducing yourself to our audience and uh, you know, maybe a little bit about what your presentation is going to be on Tuesday. Okay. Thank you. Well, you know about me here, as you can hear from my accent, I am an American <laughs> 50 years in America, but, but, I, but I, I did, I grew up, obviously, I grew up in uh, Scotland, and I worked, initially I worked in the UK, and I served in the British Army, and then I came over to the States as a management trainee, and never went back. So I lived and worked in over 40 countries, I have started up companies, and staff companies in more than 40 countries. And, and I've always worked in the international arena. I uh, told Brad and Fahad, I am the most atypical HR person you've ever met. And Brad kind of knows me personally because of <laughs> I am not your typical HR guy. I'm much more of a, a hard-headed business guy. And uh, my original training actually was in industrial engineering. So that kind of lets you know what kind of HR guy I am. So yeah, so that's what I am. I, li I live in the uh, mountains of Arizona, in a beautiful area. I still do some uh, consult. I've been. I had a long corporate career with big name companies in the U.S., and uh, then after that corporate career was kind of drawn to close. I have, for more than 15 years, been a international troubleshooter and consultant with both U.S. clients and the European clients. So that, that's my, my focus. Unfortunately, I have very little experience in the Gulf, but I do, you know, clearly I've uh, had the experience all through Asia, South America, um, the Americas, etc. So I, I, I've been pondering some of these issues that, that, that arise around virtual remote working. And I've talked to a lot of people and what's starting to emerge is that everybody is shell-shocked. People are, are realizing that this is not as much fun as we thought it was. Yeah. There are some real serious drawbacks. And, I, and I'll explore this more in, the, in my presentation. There are some real serious drawbacks about working remotely. And, and the question that comes up is, what do we think we should be doing about it? I think we're missing the socialization aspect. When, we all, when all of us work, even if we, we only go in the office occasionally, we, we were able to relate to our colleagues and get that we had a, we get to know our colleagues, we had relationships, we had informality, we had social bonds with our colleagues. So how is it in a virtual reality world and, and Fahad and I were talking just before the, the broadcast that the, the, the experts are saying, you know, this is not a temporary phase 
in all probability the world has to adapt to the fact that we may have successive pandemics. Mm. That the nature of international travel and globalization and, and things like that is that we this is that the new what we're going through today is the new normal. And and we better start uh, thinking about how we're gonna reorganize work and restructure work to to make it more sustainable going out into the future. So what well, is that I mean there's a there's already uh you know a lot to unpack on what you just said there and and in previous sessions as well that we've done Fahad and I we've we've touched upon these indirectly but as time goes by I think the one of the points that you said is it's just so valid is that you know be careful what you wish for a lot of people thought they wanted sort of this flex work work <laughs> from home and you know it if it was really that exponentially more productive more people and organizations would have done it before a crisis took place and um you know i i I was thinking just in this past week about networking in general one of the reasons why fahad and i started this program this project as we called it is to help people network in a time when the traditional ways of networking are sort of breaking down and um that's still something I don't think that, you know, and I want to ask Fahad what he thinks about this, but I, I still don't see that in my ecosystem, people sort of becoming better at that in, in terms of the networking. Fahad and I are doing a very proactive activity where we're connecting people from different parts of the world and we're doing our small part in the process. He and I, you know, we reconnect, we update topics and ideas, but really part of what we want to do is our community to do the same thing. And um, yeah, what, what do you think, Fahad, in terms of, you know, in, as the year of 2020 starts to close, <laughs> how's the world doing on this? And just so you know, your mic is on mute, but um, how's the world and how's the business community doing on uh, this topic? To be honest with you, I think still there's a lot, a huge gap in terms of socialism, sorry, socializing and the virtual world. Um, I don't see any tools or, or methodologies that you could follow for you to be more social or to engage your team, basically. But there is something here. It all depends, I feel, on the management or the leadership. How can they engage or try to create some activities? I, I, don't, I don't know right now how people are socializing, especially working from home. Is it purely based on uh, objective and results or it's basically based on something they're trying to do? But um, I don't, may, maybe it will get flexy a little bit after the, the corona or maybe because I think recently they, they announced about the vaccine. That is 90% yeah. is good. So hopefully everything might get a little bit flexy, but I don't assume huge flex as it used to be because we know Twitter and Facebook is still working from home. will will continue till July to 2021. Uh, this is one of the things that I'm sure because business interest comes first. I'm sure working from home will make more money for the business because they will not be paying rent, utilities, uh, they will not going to allow or ask people to join their premises, leaving country to country, cost of living, and so on. So pro- from a business profit, I think uh, 
personally, people will still might, or organization might still continue allowing people to work from home. But the social part of it is how you're going to engage because, and I think we already covered it in the last couple of episodes about anxiety, stress management, mental health, and so on. People, social, being a social is very important component of human life. And if you take that away, people sometimes might not co-op and might uh, lead to some disasters, diseases, or even what you call the, a lot of things. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so much of the studies around work that, you know, and I'm one of those people, John explained his background, I'm one of those people who studied HR, industrial relations, and all of that, I, I took that in, in university, mm-hmm. and you think about the type of work that is HR, so much of it is consequential to how work has evolved for the past 120 years. And now you have this disruption come along and really disrupt things. And there will be winners and there will be losers. And as you said, Fahad, you know, there's sort of a, a group that are seeing how things hopefully go back to the old normal. But John, you mentioned sort of the new normal. And so we'd love to sort of get some of your thoughts on what you see as the new normal um, going forward. And as of now, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think that and Fahad and I were talking just a little bit about this. I think I think you know we we've, we've uh, allowed ourselves to to fall into the trap of thinking this phase we're in now is a temporary phase. Mm. Now the 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 new normal 2.0 may not exactly be as it is today, but it's going to be some modification or version of today. Mm-hmm. It will it will not go back to pre-pandemic. Uh, that's very clear, I think, to most people. So I've been, I've been uh, talking to lots of different people, and what's happening is that everybody kind of, you know, rolls off one Zoom call straight off and into another Zoom call. Yeah. And, and you know, we had the advantage, uh, if I had it, I came up a little bit early, and we had a, a chat about different things that were on our mind, and we got acquainted, and and, and it's a good, and that's part of the socialization that we would normally. So, so I've kind of been going back and saying to myself, um, how, how, how do we need to go back to basics? Mm-hmm. How, how can we into this virtual world, how can we insert socialization? Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we occasionally have a meeting that is for no other purpose than just a chat? Yeah. Does every meeting have to be, you know, stone cold, you know, objective, let's get to the point, which is a very American kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, hi, how's your kids? Uh, how's your family? Have you, did you read that book that we, we just talked about on the artificial intelligence or exchange ideas or, you know what, I just watched the most fantastic soccer game and Liverpool won, of course, because I'm a Liverpool fan. But <laughs> that, that's missing yeah. in this virtual world. And I think we have to consider from a corporate leader's point of view, those of us who are in a position to influence companies and, and raise kind of issues within companies, we need to stop and think to ourselves and say, how is it we can cure some of the things that Fat had just mentioned about mental health and anxiety and stuff like that? So can we can we say, okay, before we have the big res- review results meeting, we're going to have an hour-long get acquainted meeting? All, 
all these exercises that we did in the physical world about getting acquainted and tell me something about yourself that I would never think about, uh, you know, be something, reveal something as a, as a way of bonding and stuff like that. We've got to, I think we've got to find a way to reintroduce some of those aspects into the our virtual operating world. I, I think it's a brilliant observation and comment. And as you're saying it, you, you know, I'm already sort of getting distracted by the thought. I'm, I'm sure that there are, I'm optimistic that there are people out there working on it in a certain way. Interestingly enough, one of our speakers, I think in two or three weeks, also from the US, Oregon, Kimberly, she's, her background is she was um, setting up people in sort of virtual home offices and work before the crisis. And so she might have some interesting insights from her point of view as, as to how to be more social and productive and human in, in this. But um, I personally think, and again, I'm getting ahead of things, so I'm not really answering <laughs> our questions, but I said in my presentation for version 2.0 that I think what will be a positive outcome from this experience is we're going to come back to a certain form of globalization because this virus, it, it, it doesn't look at borders, you know, it doesn't look at race, it doesn't look at passports. And if the world really plans on sort of, to the best of its ability, taking more control of this situation, we cannot do it as a distributed network. You know, there's a lot of places where distribute, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do a bit of a cheeky answer that like vote counting that's a good thing to have distributed <laughs> networks yep. but in, in in other places you need some central planning and um i, I think if there, i'm one of the optimistic things i'm hoping for uh, to come out of this uh, and I, again i don't mean that everything goes back to normal is sort of a, a reappreciation for the value of global cooperation um yeah but things you know the when you made the comment about not going back to normal too john i'm also thinking about you know flying traveling pre 9-11 how that was so different and you know as a canadian flying down to the united states for example it was basically as if i was in the states flying out of canada <laughs> but after 9-11 i remember when i was working for mitsubishi driving from vancouver canada down to portland oregon to play golf yeah. with a a van of my japanese colleagues right <laughs> we got to the border and we're like, oh, we forgot some IDs, right? Yeah. And so I just had to vouch. I had to vouch for my, my van full of Japanese nationals. No, it's okay, I'm Canadian, and they're with me, and we're going golfing in Portland, Oregon. And okay, okay, as long as you're, you know, and, and that world is gone. And I think we're gonna look back at this time, and some things are gonna be gone in the same way. And, um, I know just based on this discussion we're having now, I'm going to start to think a bit more and maybe I challenge both Fahad and myself to, you know, what are some of the proactive things that could be introduced into the community that enable better socialization? Because it's certainly not the current forms of social media. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I uh, don't, I will not cover it in Tuesday's presentation because it's a, a whole topic in itself, and uh, we can mm. spend all the time with it. But uh, you, you guys know I, I, I uh, was appointed. I'm kind of well, is known as a global Scot. 
which means I volunteer to help my native land on a pro bono basis with introductions and advice on how to do business overseas. And I, so I've been involved with one particular company which has, the, the, to my way of thinking, the best employee survey tool. Now, there's a lot of them out in the marketplace, but this one is very user-friendly, very easy to use, easy to deploy, and you can get your reports. It's got the best reporting. You get the reports within 24 hours, and then you can turn around and target and do further surveys to drill down. And, and it's being used pretty well by some parts of uh, some of the some of the companies in, in uh, UK and in Europe, and it's getting really good reports because this is companies are trying to do this as part of a reach out to your remote employees and find out what's on their mind, the words, their concerns, and the, what they're struggling with, and how can you help them with some of these challenges. And, and, and the side effect of that, of course, is the employees appreciate the fact that somebody's even taking an interest in them. Absolutely, Hawthorne effect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. We, and, and I'll expand that. I'll expand on that idea some other time. But it's a, it is a, an aggressive outreach uh, effort that uh, some some of the larger companies are doing, and I think that'll help just you know set best practice for some of the other companies that says, don't just let your people be out there, kind of. And the only time you talk to them is about a business issue. You should be talking about the, the, the whole holistic issue of your relationship with them. Yeah, I'd love to see, you know, case studies come out of this um, sooner rather than later, uh, whereby we're sharing, and some people don't like the expression, but best, best practices in terms of, yeah. of, of, you know, the socialization at the workplace. Because, you know, I even remember moving offices many years ago early on in my career and doing a lot of research for my organization in terms of office design yeah. and looking at what was happening, especially in terms of Silicon Valley. I mean, we so often point to that part of the world, but here you have a type of work that is almost by definition can be seen as the cubicle in isolation. Mm -hmm. And yet the most creative, innovative companies like an Apple are creating workspaces that are designed to make people socialize in a very, you know, intelligent, evidence-based way. And it's not because, you know, there's some sort of bias that, that uh, programmers are all introverts. No, 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 no. It's the realization that when you get groups of people together and they're, they're thinking about different things and sometimes the random bumping into someone on yeah. the way to the, you know, the canteen or cafeteria they start talking about something that both are talking about. And the next thing you know, there's an incredibly constructive business discussion going on that would not have happened otherwise. And students of business history should be well aware of this value add of working in a common space. And to your points at the beginning, John, I think a lot of people, you know, saw this as, wow, this freedom is, you know, is what we've wanted for so long. And, we're in that be careful what you ask for kind of gray zone right now. Yep. I, I think uh, coming back to Brad point, uh, Brad points, uh, yesterday and today I was talking to my participants during a training program and I was telling them, uh, you know, change management and how to adapt and every time uh, be aware of what you're asking, because sometimes it might be a negativity on you on long term. 
Uh, and one of the things that a lot of housewife or basically mothers, they were working from uh, from home or they're basically they're requested to work from home because they are so tired, they can't make it in the morning or they need to take care of the kids plus they work. Once the pandemic started, everyone started working from home and the school started to be working from or basically studying from home. And then they realized working from home is not always the best option or the best solution. And, and some of them, when I asked them yesterday and today during the, the, the training session, I said, who regret uh, being working from home and who's interested to go back to home? Trust me, 50% of them, they, they regret working from home and they're looking to go back to the office as soon as possible. So, yeah, and I, coming back to your, to your point, I think not every time you wish ha- to wish to have something, it might be good for you because what you see is you see the luxurious part of it or the flowery side of it. You don't <laughs> see the core, dirty, <laughs> hands-on stuff when, when it comes to real life, yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree with Brad for what's, what's going on. Yeah, so we kind of, uh, you know, we try and keep our sessions uh, short and sweet, as they say, and um, we want to save some of the thoughtful stuff um, more structured for the presentation. But uh, John, what's, you know, aside from what you're going to talk about in your presentation, but what, what, what's keeping you up at night right now on this kind of topic? What, what are you debating beyond just sort of the new normal may not be uh, as uh, the old normal. Beyond that sort of um, more common thinking, what are you thinking about in your own um, wisdom about experiences that you've had and where the world's at right now? No, actually, I, I try to draw the parallel that, uh, you know, I was involved in an experiment of running about a $500 million uh, affiliate company. Uh, it was spread scattered worldwide, and we we had a very strict set of protocols for what meetings. You know, we would have phone meetings back in the days before Zoom. We had phone meetings. We have get together and we'd have longer phone meetings. We would periodically have get together meetings and build in time for for face to face and social bonding and, and things like that. So I'm saying, okay that scheme worked very well to keep us all on the same page and keep the leadership team on the same page and make sure that we were able to not become fragmented. So we've got to go back and stop. As I say, I don't think we're dealing with that stuff because we we initially got into the pandemic thinking that this was just a, a bad dream that will pass. And, and now people are starting to realize that, the, you know, this, this, as you said, the, uh, you know, this is not all as much fun as it, as it sounded in the beginning. And it's got a lot of uh, challenges and problems, but it's also got a lot of, pro- forget the personal problems, it's got a lot of problems for companies as to how do you instill and maintain your culture, your values, when you're totally fragmented and scattered all over the place. So have you gone out of your way to try to reconstruct that? And then a lot of companies are saying no. They haven't because they they thought this was a temporary phase. Mm-hmm. So I'm suggesting that we've got to try and get our heads around what is the new post-pandemic world, and say how how are we going to address it and work with it. 
there'll be a, you know, I assume there'll be some combination of working from home or working from remote offices, you know, whether we go back to the rework kind of thing, etc. But, you know, clearly there's going to be, you know, there's no need, there's no need. We know at least with knowledge workers, there's no need to have the, the this traditional commute, you know, lose four or five hours every day on a commute to get in, to get into work that it just isn't needed, but uh, there may be some special meetings or special occasions where it is worth the, the effort. And we should organize around that. And, and how, you know, my, my concern is that, you know, we're, we, the collective, you know, the capital W, we, we will treat this like we treat other cycles and we won't learn from it. We'll simply, you know, swing too far one way, swing too far the other way. But when you look at positions in organizations like HR, John, you know, what, what do you see them needing to do now and perhaps in the near future to kind of address some of those concerns that you're having? How does it change the role of people in HR? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't think it's exclusively a child. I think it's, it's, the, HR, it's the, the company leadership, including mm. HR. Right. And, and clearly, you know, I think all of the leaders have to start get their heads around, you know, how is it you're going to maintain a motivated and cohesive workforce when it, when it is, if, if indeed it is going to be so fragmented in the future. And you, maybe you're going to lean on your HR people to say, come up with some good ideas to help me work out how do I stay in touch with these people? How do I motivate people by remote control? But you know, as well, we, we all discussed this earlier, I, I used to participate in a series of uh, webinars and then we'd have different experts, you know, people from KPNG and Deloitte and lawyers and you name it. And one of the things, uh, and I did this with a friend of mine, I was on the advisory board of a relocation management company out of Chicago. And I, I realized that, you know, I, I, I didn't get good ratings. And I wasn't very good at this because I'm, I'm pretty good at talking to people. I mean, I've talked to a thousand people in a big amphitheater, but in this, and this is years ago before we, you know, got to the, the current problem, but it is such a dry, there's no feedback. Yeah. And yeah. I felt very happy to get motivated and get energy and, and bring in energy into my discussion and my talk because I wasn't getting any feedback. And, that, yeah. and that's, that's a problem. That is, that's going to be the problem for all us, of us in leadership positions is how do you motivate? How do you get feedback? And how do you, how in that, how in that, you don't get any visual clues. So how do you get somebody to be honest with you through this medium? That's pretty tough. You well, know, it's one of the, the, the takeaways that I, you know, you know, Zoom Doom or whatever you want to call it is, one of the, if you will, um, non-scientific or, or uh, anecdotal evidence is that, that I'm supporting that, you know, this work from home is not for everyone and may not even be the best for most is just the energy that comes from socializing, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or in the middle is we do get energy from other people in different ways. And, um, you know, the only way an introvert can be alone is if they're 
allowed to be alone, so to speak, right? So that you're yeah. you're getting it from other people, and and um, yeah, I, I think optimistically that I, I hope that you know HR people, uh, leaders with responsibilities and managers that 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 is one of the good takeaways out of the time that we're in right now is because I couldn't agree with you more John I don't see a lot of feedback in my network right now I see a lot of self-motivated people doing projects on a small scale and 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 sort of those projects being connected virtually okay yeah we know that's a niche within the broader concept of a job market but if that market's not doing it well imagine all the other jobs that are you know aren't and um, you know, I, I joked at the beginning of this pandemic and Fahad will remember this is I, I said, you know, I, I feel like I've been through this already. As you know, John, I used to work in the cruise industry and cruise ships was one of the ecosystems that was incredibly impacted early on from this. So working in the cruise ship industry, you're trained at the outset to deal with outbreaks of contagious viruses, you know, health issues. And so um, I lived and worked in that type of environment for several years. And so when this happened on land, uh, it in some ways was very natural for me and my work experience as HR to be, okay, we're, de- but one of the things it taught me, and maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm a bit naive is just how in normal day-to-day life, people don't think that way. And so coming full circle to the idea, how, how do HR people change as a result of this? The last thing I'd want to see them is become even more of the policy police, you know, a year from now, did you, you know, did you uh, sanitize your hands and get into more policies (laughs) and other policing activities, but contingency planning, business continuity, these types of high level strategic ideas, I don't think there's a person alive today that can claim that, you know, this is something that they were truly prepared for. And I do hope that better practitioners in many leadership roles um, incorporated in an appropriate strategic way going forward. So Fahad, your final thoughts for today? Yeah. uh, Coming back to your point, I think, and and I think maybe we, I discussed with, with John offline before the recording, I said, Usually, in general, there is there is a crisis every eight to 11, month, 11 years. We know it, you know, like we have this pandemic, which is a biological crisis. Before that, we have the financial crisis. And in 2001 and, and uh, 1999, 1998, we have the Asia crisis, economic crisis. Before that, in the beginning of, of 90s, we have the Mexican credit. So, so basically, between eight to 11, we have a history of uh, almost 100 years that we have a crisis almost every eight, eight to 11 years. My mm-hmm. question is, and my concern is, or my frustration is, when we do have an evidence that something is happening or it's going to happen sooner or later, it's a fact, why we don't prepare ourselves? Why we try to be ignorant in terms of, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to do. Where is your risk management? Where is your business continuity management? Where is your backup plan? What are what are I, I personally feel it's uh, leadership. It's about a personality. It's about being more proactive than active. Being more proactive is hard. That's what I feel. So 
Yeah, and, and I think being social, uh, be, uh, trying to be social and, and real life is not something uh, so tough to be. There are ways, tools, maybe, hi, how are you? How is everything? Just, just chat. Or maybe you could just arrange a Zoom call, quick Zoom call, free. There's nothing that you're going to pay. Not like we used to pay for phone calls. But mm-hmm. it's, it's about personalities and, and people sometimes don't learn unless they are being forced to. So that's, that's what I feel. Yeah, I think, as I said a, a few minutes ago, Fad, I think there's a challenge in here for both of us in terms of what we're doing with HR Learn In to how can we, you know, go to another level in perhaps adding value to what we're doing in our community as it relates to not just building a network, but yeah. building a network that socializes more. It's definitely food for thought. No, I, I kept this comment with us. I think yeah. we need to have good thought about it. Yeah. I, think, I mean, if you remember back to one of the principles of, of change management that was taught to me by a, by a pretty famous consulting firm years ago was this whole idea of the building platform. The what, John? Say that again. The, burning the platform. Burning platform. Yeah. The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Being that, you know, we've got. We'll, we'll be. We'll, we will act when we're forced to act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how do you convince your fellow leaders and colleagues and management? How do you can convince them that it is something they've got to tackle? Because they're kind of hoping this will this will go away, and we could just go back to we we used to be and not have to confront it. And that's that's always been a big struggle about trying to get people to face up to the realities of, of, a, of an impending situation. And, and uh, that is part of the challenge is how to, how, to, how to build the case for saying we need to, to your point, we need to start thinking about business continuity and crisis management and, and not, not assume that this is just an uh, aberration that's going to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know from, again, my, some of my consulting work as well, that, that, that so many things that were not in the HR domain before keep bleeding into it in good and bad ways. But one of the things, John, you mentioned that also got me taking a note was thinking back to the quote by Andy Grove um, previously at Intel. And his sort of, one of his mantras was, um, only the paranoid survive. And, and deconstructing that is, you know, the people who are constantly prepared for the unexpected, you know, and, and we had our session with Elizabeth on mental health, you know, hopefully that's in the, <laughs> the positive side of planned and it's not on the other side of, um, you know, perception that may be unique to the individual. So um, I'm just cognizant that we're sort of at, at our, our rough, just a little after our 30 minute break. So John, I want to thank you again for participating in our podcast today and adding to building our community. And um, certainly the topic uh, is something that's really uh, appropriate for, you know, our community and our session. So I look forward to that uh, session on Tuesday and invite anyone listening now to, if if you can listen and watch live and if not follow up in the archives. Fahad? Yeah, and I would like to remind everyone that John's uh, session will be on 17th of November uh, through mm-hmm. Zoom. So you could just jump into our website, the event, uh, Learn Invert V2. You, you could also click there and register. And his topic is about the, important, the importance of the socialization in the virtual workplace. And if you'd like to listen to this archive podcast, you could listen it in 
through anchor.fm slash hrlearnn or directly from our website, resources, and you could go to the podcast. Thank you very much, John. We really appreciate and enjoy uh, your insights about this topic. Brad, over to you. My pleasure. Yes, thank you, John. And we will see you on Tuesday. And as we often do, let's close out the show reminding people of our tagline to tune in, skill up, and pay it forward. Until next time from Dubai. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.